This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Been protecting Tennesseans for 76 years. To find out more about our history in the volunteer state and to get a quote, visit FBHP.com. I'm Mike Keith with a very special guest. You know him from Titans preseason. You know him from NFL Network. You know him from CBS television. You know him from his role on Yellowstone. <laughs> Charles Davis, welcome. Don't I wish. Well, I see the hat. You don't I wish. You'd like to be I'm, a rip. We all would. This is my way of trying to say, can can you get me a walk-on part? I'm not even asking for a line yet. Yeah. I just a scene. But guess what? I missed my window because they've shot all the final stuff. They got the final season. And now I guess I hope I can get on one of the spinoffs. Well, there you go. There's there's plenty of those coming. You've also got your Tennessee Letterman on today. So you're looking, yes. you've got your orange. I wanted to ask you something about that. Everyone refers to General Neyland's seven game maxims. You haven't played for Tennessee since 1985. Can you still do the game maxims? Team making the fewest mistakes will win. Play four, make the breaks. One comes our way, score. Like I can go through. Here, hold on. Can you hold on one second? Yeah, sure. Oh yeah, we, we holding on. Maybe I should sing during this interlude as Charles Davis has left the broadcast position. I just wondered if he knew him. I guess I've got, I've gone into something a little deeper. Right, here. Okay, take, take a look at this. Okay, see that game maxims. Yes, you've got them laminated. That travels with me. That tra so the game maxims travel with you. I do the game maxims every the night before any game I broadcast. Do you really? I do. I have the game maxims with me to remind me about what 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 winning football involves. So I'm not on air quoting the game maxims, but I'm conscious of what they are because they play out in a game. How many times have we seen it? At first, the game or breaks go against us. Don't let up. Put on more steam. Those are teams that get down early and come back and win late. Press the kicking game for here's where the breaks are made. We muffs the punt. When 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 someone gets a kick, big kickoff return. It's all in there. This is all what it's about. And yes, it's us for us at Tennessee, and the pride is 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 off the charts about what the general left us, and we're still doing it to this day. But it still applies. The stuff he put in place then. That's the same football we're talking about now. I don't care how you break it down. We may be, you know, shotgun and spreading it out and throwing it, but carry the fight to the opponent and keep it there for 60 minutes, it still applies. So I do those, and I've got a few others that I have here, and I go through all that stuff the night before the game. You know, Jungle Book Part 2, here's the law of the jungle, as old and as true as the sky, you know, and, and talk about the, the, the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack. So you, everything stuff. within your core values of football, you go to the night before you do a broadcast, and General Neyland's seven-game maxims are right there. Top of the chart. Wow. that's a, I didn't know that about you. Because there's a general. Jungle Book Part 2. Yes, so you've got that. The, the Yeah. Right? Right. Conversations I've had with coaches about how the game is played, how the game's evolved. I talk with coaches in the offseason, headed into a season about what are the trends that they're seeing and how the game is being played. And these will be my notes for them. I've got a I've got two pages of time with Mike Leach and notes on 
how he sees the game and how he sees it going. And I'll go over those. Um, I've got my Garrett Patterson notes. I got all sorts of stuff. And I'm not just trying to do the name drop thing. It sounds like fun. But the bottom line is it helps me get better, at least in my mind. <laughs> Others listening to me may not agree, but <laughs> in my mind, I try and get better. We know what a student Charles Davis is. I mean, that's the thing that comes across in all of your broadcasts. And you're giving, you're pulling back the curtain for us a little bit, showing us where that knowledge of all of this, where you're getting your master's, your doctorate, and you're consistently working on something else. It's very impressive. I appreciate it. I mean, I'm not going to bore you with the rest of it. I've got, a bunch, I've got about 15 cards of different things from different coaches. Remember Pat Hill, sure. coach of Fresno State? Yeah. He gave me his stuff, that, that the mantra that they live by at Fresno State. Okay, what he called their points of points of difference that separated them that he wanted to, to separate him, you know, Fresno State from other people. And there were like five points. I won't bore you with them. But my favorite part is at the end of it. Point one, point two, point three, point four, point five. You know what his final thing was? Shut up and hit someone. Shut up and hit somebody. <laughs> okay, we've gone through all that at the end of it. What does football come down to? Blocking and tackling. At the end of the job, it hit someone. We've got more coming up with Charles Davis on the OTP. But first of all, I need to remind you that SeatGeek is now the official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans. SeatGeek is the newest member of the Titans family. If you haven't heard the name yet, why haven't you been listening to the OTP more? Because we say it on every show, right? We do. You'll be hearing it a lot more, certainly, whether you're buying or selling tickets to the Titans games, or any live event in Nashville, SeatGeek is the place to do it. SeatGeek, the new official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans, so Titans fans can fan. Let's talk about you and the NFL. This past weekend, Charles Davis had Pittsburgh-Cleveland. Turned out to be an exciting game. Cleveland wins 13-10. Talk to me about Pittsburgh 6-4. and four. We've seen them. They've got some issues on offense that seem pretty significant. Who are the Steelers? Do they even know? They know who they are in terms of being Pittsburgh and being the Steelers and having that identity, you know? You know, like Mike, Mike Tomlin is, the standard is the standard, right? So we're not going to go below that. They're always going to be tough on defense. They want to be that team that runs the ball and be physical on offense. But the interesting part is we're going on about five seasons now where they just haven't been good running the football. Like, you know, they can talk about all they want. The numbers actually tell you, uh-uh. Because the numbers are like between 28 and 32 over the last five years. That's just not been their identity, but they want to play to that. The defense keeps them in everything. And then the offense has managed to pull together like one or two good drives. And it's been in the fourth quarter. So Kenny Pickett, their quarterback, gets this magical thing attached to him. I don't think it's as much magic as it is. His defense has kept it close, and you finally found a way to fashion together a drive. They've got to figure out some consistency on offense. But the idea that they're six and four and have been outgained in all 10 games and have a negative point differential, which is now negative 29 on the season, and yardage going into the game was like negative 670 something. So, whatever it is now, that's stunning, Mike. It's absolutely stunning. You know, is it sustainable? Well, sustainable that they're six and four and still in the hunt. Is it sustainable for the playoffs? One would think not. 
But to me, who are the Steelers? They're the team that you just can't get rid of. And I called them body snatchers yesterday because they're just waiting and they're just lurking and they're looming. And I don't know how many teams went home and looked at their stat sheet and said, we beat them up and down the field. We did this. We did that. Yeah, what was final score? Pittsburgh on the plus side. That's who, that's who the Steelers are. Cleveland is 7-3 and three after the win, and they were much more impressive when they played the Titans, so I was much more impressed with them overall. But I wonder this. So Deshaun Watson, injury, not injury, playing, not playing, figure out he's got a broken bone in his shoulder, he's out for the year. Is it, is it almost now that that's settled and they know they're not going to have him and they know that it's Dorian Thompson-Robinson or somebody else at quarterback and that that's the way it's going to have to be, does that almost give them a better shot than what they had with the in-and-out situation with Deshaun Watson? It's strange, right? But I think you're onto something, Mike, in terms of just having consistency. Would they rather have Watson? Yes, because he is truly, on top of his game, one of the better quarterbacks out there. But they haven't had the consistency. You know, think about his time off now for the rest of the year and then go back to the season he sat out with Houston and then count together how many games he's played over the last three years. And, and it's a shockingly low number. So you're right. Now there's a settled part. And, and, and truthfully, the settled part only happened because yesterday happened. Sunday happened. Meaning Dorian Thompson Robinson took the reins, was prepared, played a good football game, executed what they asked him to do. And of course, they kept that very limited form because they played to their defense. But now they feel like they can start to go, that he can be their guy. There was a reason they kept him as QB, too. Everyone was pounding him because they let Josh Dobbs go because of what Josh has done. And you know us balls, we're all reveling and watching Josh do, do, do his thing. But at the time, no one was no one was blanking that Josh had been let go and you just rookie QB, too. But then Baltimore happened to Sean can't play in pregame. The youngster took the reps during the week. But Mike, he's a youngster. And I guarantee you he was like, yeah, but I'm still not going to play. And then they walked in the locker room and said, you're up, kid. And he was like, what? Hello. And I think Chris Sims said it so well on, on you know, Football Night in America on, on NBC. That night he said, look, I played in this league as a quarterback. No quarterback's first start in the NFL should ever be against Baltimore. And, and he's right. And that's what happened that day. Well, this time, after they pulled him back, P.J. Walker played. Deshaun came back and played. He observed better. He noticed how you had to watch film. He learned, he's starting to learn how to be a pro. Not that he was taking it cavalierly, but you know what, you know, as youngsters, they're trying to look, oh, that's what you need to do. I got to get the extra reps in. I got to do that. And he was so much more prepared and poised, and, and he did a really nice job in this game, even though their game plan kept him right in here. It's kind of like watching, you know, Will Smith tell, tell Kevin James and Hitch. You just stay right here. This is where you live when you dance. I don't want to see the other stuff. You live right here. I don't want to see all those great moves out here. I want to see here. And that's what they did in the game, and they were able to get away with it. Quarterback injury, certainly a big story in Week 11. And Charles Davis, they have been a story all year in the NFL. I think only five starting quarterbacks have been able to start every game. Is that an issue at this moment in time, or is it just sort of something that has happened and that's the way it goes? 
it's probably both. It's an issue for all of us because we want the best to play, but how can you predict anything? And it is the NFL. It is, look, it's a collision sport. It's a violent sport. And sometimes injuries happen without any contact. Boom, it just happens. And we're just having one of those years. And it just tells you the value of your backup quarterback. Where did you spend your money, folks, and your expectations for the year? Russell Wilson in Seattle, his backup might as well have been you and me for all those years. Because even when he was hurt, he played through, and the backup never came into the equation. They got away with it and spent their money elsewhere because Russell was so durable. But when your main guy gets hurt and your backup's not up to the task, the hopes and dreams of your team come clattering down. I think the Jets are a monster example of that. But it shouldn't have been that way for them because their backup was the number two overall pick in the draft. So he should have been good to go, and it just didn't work out. So that's what we have. Yeah, it's an issue. But the biggest thing is, is this is where we are. Now who's going to navigate it and take it and go from there? Because someone's going to win a division with a backup quarterback. Right. It's, it's firmly etched in my mind, maybe multiple. All right. So let me ask you about the safety issue overall. You played, speaking of safety, you played safety in college. You're a defensive player. You, that's where your heart is. We've seen plays where guys have landed on quarterbacks and they look like just tackles and a flag is thrown. We've seen instances where the hip drop tackle thing has come up a lot. The Mark Andrews play last week in the Baltimore game, certainly a big deal. Sometimes what I see as an illegal tackle just looks like a tackle. And, I, and I'm very much for player safety, don't get me wrong, but how are we going to sort of differentiate what's legal and what's illegal in a game that's a contact sport? It's such a great question, isn't it? Because I do think that there there is a, a I don't I won't call it an edict, but it certainly feels like the officials have been told anything even possible close, throw the flag. They're trying their best to keep these quarterbacks healthy, and obviously it's not working. And you and I have both done games where you've gone, ooh, that I mean the guy tried like short of levitating as a defender, he can't not land, you know, guys trying to get to the side so they don't land firmly on the quarterback, hitting him at the legs. Actually had one where an NFL head coach, I'd called a game and they'd called roughing the passer and the NFL head coach had texted me during the game and I got it after the game because my phone's off. But after the game, I got it and the text was, that was a bad call because he was actually out of the pocket so he shouldn't get the protection as a quarterback. He's now a runner. Right. And I missed that during the game. I went back and looked and the coach was correct. But no one caught it. The officials didn't catch it. Because they're so focused on keeping the quarterbacks healthy, they whistled it and foul as a flag in because he tackled him low. That's all it was. He wasn't late or whatever. He tackled him on the low part. I don't know, Mike, but I know this. The hip drop is now our our horse collar. We've advanced the horse collar to the hip drop. And to me, the hip drop is a direct, what's the proper word? Direct descendants, the wrong thing. It's a direct reaction to we're taking the head out of the game. And rightly so, because now instead of going through a guy like we used to, and you remember we were kids, face mask, crown a helmet, everything else, you splattered him, life was good. And there were no flags for that as long as you were on time. But now the head's got to be out. You're trying to go shoulder. Your hit hit zone is from the the shoulders down. So you got to get into that area, but you can't be up high and get him. 
And so what's happening is when guys are going to make these tackles, you're not driving shoulder into players anymore. You're actually riding them and just trying to kind of, kind of bull wrestle them down, right? Like a calf, you know, like you're doing a rodeo since I'm wearing a Dutton hat, <laughs> you're trying to do that. And you see how those Cowboys hop off and they slide to the side and use their weight to drag them down. Well, legs are getting tangled up in the whole deal. I understand coaches being upset. I don't think it's the greatest play in the world myself, but as everything that you keep taking away, there has to be an answer for, and that's the answer for defenders. Earlier this year, Pete Carroll was upset about because he teaches that 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 roll tackle thing. The rugby tackle. Oldest rugby tackle. It's banned in rugby, the hip drop is, by the way. So, so we got to take a look at that. And now uh, John Harbaugh is talking about because he just lost one of his better players. What I say is, I get it, coaches. I'm actually on your side, but I'll bet you we pull tape of their defense, and I'll bet we'll find hip drop tackles because these guys have to have something to counter with because if you're throwing shoulders and all that in, a lot of times your head gets involved, and now you got a penalty on your hands. So people are trying to come up with a different answer. I hope we can figure this one out because the hip drop, to me, is a dangerous play, and we're losing too many players because the receivers have all told us, and it's such a weird deal. I'd rather get hit up high than my legs. My legs are my stock in trade. And we're trying to take the head out of it and do that, which is a very good safety move. You ask any receiver, hit me up here, please, not down on the legs. And the hip drop involves the legs. Hey, Titans fans, more Charles Davis in a moment on the OTP. But first, a reminder about Duncan. That's right. It's always game on with Duncan, so grab a coffee and kick off the action, whether that's drinking a cup on your way to the game or grabbing one to go before watching the game at home. Duncan is always there to help you get your game on. Just like the pros, we need to be at our best come game time, which is why Duncan is the most important part of your game day ritual because it's always the best call for football. America runs on Duncan. All right, let's talk about C.J. Stroud as we go back to quarterbacks. Uh, yesterday, he throws three interceptions, throws for 336 yards, and his team, the Houston Texans, they win over Arizona. He says he's going to be like Steph Curry, that he's going to keep shooting no matter what. So the question to you, Charles, is this. Are you surprised that C.J. Stroud has done as well as he has this early in his career with the Texans? To this level, yes. I think anyone who says otherwise is being a little bit disingenuous because what rookie is supposed to be this successful? An elevated team that's barely won games over a certain amount of time, right? So everything that we're going into, plus you remember the run-up to the draft and do you like Bryce better? Do you like CJ better? I like Bryce because he seems like more of an adult. There have been all these whispers about CJ and he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. All that seems to be garbage. I almost feel like someone wanted him so badly, they put out the misinformation campaign, hoping he would drop to them. <laughs> and it didn't work because I met with a young man and he's got it. Yeah. I wouldn't, I would tell Carolina fans, don't give up on Bryce. Okay. Whatever you do, don't give up on Bryce. He's a really good player who needs some work, but CJ has hit it and he's hit it big. He reminds me of Marino in a sense, his rookie year with the confidence and just going out and playing. But Marino didn't start from day one. This kid did. And by the way, Houston's in the playoff race. Houston is playing for the division lead this week. As a matter of fact, the Titans will see Bryce Young this week. And the Panthers are 1-9. and nine. He, he was sacked seven times in their loss against Dallas. Here's a guy who played for one of the best high school programs in the country, played for one of the best college programs in the country, 
How much of a transition is it for Bryce Young, in your opinion, Charles Davis, that he's never been a quarterback on a bad team before? Yeah, there is a transition to that. But I thought he's kind of transitioned a little bit last year at Bama that even though they went 11-2 and two and won their bowl game and all that, there were some struggles in there. He had to play hurt. Offensive line wasn't quite as good as what Bama's used to having. The Tennessee game, and I know there's a Tennessee pride there, but I think a, a, a non-biased observer would say, if Bryce Young doesn't play against Tennessee, Tennessee wins by three touchdowns. Yes. Okay, that's who he was. He made things happen and the whole thing that goes with that. The team around him in Carolina, I expected to be better this year. They're one of my more disappointing teams because that division, the NFC South, was wide open. I thought you could make a case for any of the four in preseason to win it, even with a rookie quarterback. But the offensive line's been a mess. Receivers can't get open. Miles Sanders hadn't been the runner they wanted to have. I'm not absolving him from blame. He's thrown too many pick sixes. All right. He still made some plays that shouldn't be there. But heck, head coach was calling plays and he gave it up. Then he took it back. I don't feel like anything is going in the right direction flowing. That's not the issue in Houston. And here's the crazy part. Three weeks ago, Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud, Carolina beat Houston. And Bryce Young had a better day than C.J. Stroud. And we've totally forgotten that that even happened. Let's wrap up with this, Charles Davis. Um, the Detroit Lions are 8-2. and two. When Dan Campbell got in there, many people questioned him being hired. They questioned Brad Holmes as the GM. They were bad. And then last year, they got better. They win the season ender to, to knock off Green Bay and keep them out of the playoffs to finish 9-8. and eight. They were a fashionable team coming into this year. And now, here they are 8-2. and two. As the Titans go through the transition, they're clearly going through. They played all six offensive draft picks yesterday in the game at Jacksonville. I mean, they're, they're playing a lot of rookies. They clearly are, are doing something different with Will Levis at quarterback. Should Detroit be the aspirational in terms of how the Titans are building this now? And should that give Titans fans hope that it can absolutely happen in pretty much short order? Yeah, I agree. I think you nailed it. Like, it's a perfect one. But here's the beauty of it all. Detroit had to hire Dan Campbell. They had to hire Brad Holmes. And there were question marks there. Tennessee already has Mike Vrabel. There are no question marks there. Like they've got the right person. Rand Carthon is the new GM. He and Mike Vrabel and the rest of that staff will have to continue to work to hit on draft choices, hit on the free agents, hit on everything, and then go from there. Dan Campbell, yeah, we all love the presser. And then we all went, oh, we've seen this kind of presser before. That's the most authentic coach, you know? He and Vrabes are, are really similar people in terms of being authentic. They go about it differently. But what you see is what you get. And they don't change. And it's a beautiful thing to see. So Tennessee's good there. Look, I'll put it to you this way. Let Mike Vrabel hit the open market, Tennessee, and see how long, see how long that goes. Okay, we all know what's going to happen there. People will fight with each other on that one. And by the way, coaches who are already having jobs would be out of a job if they thought they could get Mike Vrabel. That's that's how good Vrabes is. Dan Campbell has proven himself to be his authentic self and stick with what he knows. But they've hit on draft choices, the free agents they've hit on. They, they showed faith in the quarterback in Jared Goff that people thought was misguided. Oops, they nailed that one and somehow kept their coaching staff together. 
offense coordinator, had a chance to be a head coach potentially. He stayed, Ben Johnson. Aaron Glenn, he gets a lot of mention about moving people. Defense has gotten much better this year. Yeah, I think that's a good way. That's a good way to put it. But, you know, Detroit is doing that, and the way they're going about doing it, they figured it out. This is who we are, and we play to that. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend, to you and yours. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, and and hopefully I'll see you real soon. I hope so. Charles Davis joining us on the OTP. We appreciate you joining us, and happy Thanksgiving to you from the Titans family. And thanks for listening to the OTP. Titan up.